I know that there are women that actively want to date a man that is shorter than them. I also have never met one. And it's also socially, completely socially acceptable to just overtly say six foot, like six feet or up. Like, it's not a shameful thing to say that. You can say that to anybody. Nobody's going to give you shit about it. Um, (laughs) Like, you can completely say that. And I feel like that's one of the the few things, even about desire, those, like, pretty harsh preferences that you can give uh, with almost no apology. Welcome back to I'm the Villain. Today, we're going to be talking... I'm so, so, so excited for this conversation. We're going to be talking about desirability politics, which I feel like is is a pretty juicy conversation and one that the, the people on the left don't really talk about very much, at least like people in my sort of like lefty spaces. Um, and <laughs> so today we have Hina. Hello. Um, yeah. And Hina... Welcome. Yeah, Hina from Salted Logic. Um, and why don't you just give a quick little intro for... The people. Yes. Hello, people. Um, <laughs> my name is Hina. I am uh, born and raised uh, in Hawaii on the island of Oahu. I moved in 2018 to New York and got my master's from NYU. And right now I'm living in Nashville and I work for Salted Logic, which is an indigenous women-led media collective. Um, and we produce original content we do media strategy for clients um yeah that's me (laughs) (laughs) um so tell us about like your kind of initial thoughts on like desirability politics yes so Mm -hmm. i just tell us and also maybe we and also maybe we define desirability politics oh sure yeah yes so I define, well, not I, I'm, I'm, I have a quote. I'm quoting someone else first before okay. I like start <laughs> going off the rails. There is a, um, an article on Everyday Feminist by a woman named Hari Ziyad. I'm so sorry if I'm saying that incorrectly. But she says, desirability politics deal with the questions of how social ideals of attractiveness can have pull and how one can also pull back. It's the idea that desire is political, both affected by and simultaneously shaping systems of power and oppression. And I feel like on the 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 term that I see used on the internet, like very recently, from my perception, out of the blue is pretty privilege, which I think is like desirability politics, mm-hmm. like sanitized version of that. It's like the easier way to talk about it is pretty pri- privilege, but really it all boils down to desirability politics at the end of the day. And like the idea that like there is kind of like a, a standard, right? That we that we as a society hold up to be like the most desirable, most attractive kind of person. Absolutely, and how that standard can be a little can be pretty exclusionary. Absolutely, and I think it there's like these these two there's these two kind of warring ideas in that we know that people are like attracted to youth and health and symmetry, like from a deep biological level that you can't really control. And then there's also this other like recognizable phenomenon when we personally perceive someone as attractive, we trust them more. We think that they're more adept. We think that they're more capable and then also what makes us attracted to somebody and what makes us deem someone to be attractive, which I think is how the political seeps in, right? It's informed by misogyny, white supremacy, systems of oppression, economics, because it has to do with the way that you're able to dress, how much money you're able to put into your hair, makeup, nails, all of that stuff. Uh, it's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think you're you're starting to hit on some really good points, which is like, sure, we're like we're talking somewhat about you know people being more preferentially attracted to like you know maybe someone of a certain maybe someone of a certain race or someone of a certain look or whatever, but also we're talking about shit that like you know, affects your income, affects your, <laughs> your pull in society oh, yeah. and like affects how far you can make it up or down. Absolutely. Cause I think everyone like has, a, if we, if we take Western beauty standards as reality, which they're not, but if we did, you, 
can see how like you maybe like win a genetic lottery and you fit into those ideals perfectly. But most people with adequate resources, time and energy can raise them themselves 30, 40% on that scale with enough time and money, which most mostly only white people have. Mm-hmm. So it's all cyclical, you know? Yeah. All of this is like has this interplay in terms of, you know, your relationships to other people and like, you know, other, you know, which is true for all types of politics. But like, I feel like in this one in particular, right, this notion of like nobody is technically with other sorts of things. Right. We kind of are on the same page. Like, you know what? You are owed, you know, health care, shelter, food, water, whatever. Right. But like. This is one of those areas where you can't say that you are owed having people be attracted to you or sex or any of those things. So it's sort of like this interesting interplay around like, what do we think that like we recognize this as like, you know, a very uncomfortable dynamic and inequality. Yeah. But if we were to come up with an imperative around like, oh, we should change something, you know, this thing in X, Y, Z way. Right. What, what, like, how would we actually sort of go about trying to deal with that? Well, and I think that that's why it's so rarely talked about because I can't even tell you what the end goal should be in a way that I can tell you that for a lot of other social issues, right? From a racial standpoint, we should all get to a place where no one loses their job or has less than or can't have health care because of the color of their skin. That's like, that should be the destination, period. But for this, like, I'm not trying to suggest that you're able or should be attracted to everybody you see. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's not... That's, that's impossible, right. but you know what I mean? Or that like, it's, it gets really messy or really cyclical when you start to talk about what does a preference mean? Is it possible to have a preference? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and intuitively, you know, at some, on some level, a, the idea of a preference is grounded, right? Some people yeah. like chocolate ice cream or pistachio. That's not fake. But right. <laughs> like, how much control do you really have over your preferences, right? It's not like your taste buds, which are shaped by your social environment and also your biology. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so rough because like everyone has natural inclinations, mm-hmm. right? And like as someone like I'm, a, you know, I'm a black man. I'm pretty large you know like i feel like i'm solidly like i don't really fit into whatever societal standard of beauty there is and so i've thought a lot about you know like i've like had encounters with people that are like you know i'm just not really like i'm not really trying to date black guys whatever and and that shit is obviously racist yeah (laughs) yeah but But at the same time, I'm not trying to be the person that you, like, break your bias with, right? Like, I don't want to be your guinea pig. Right. Um, So it's hard because it's, like, this is work that people probably need to do internally. But, you know, what's pushing them to actually do it? Right. And what does that work even look like, right? Like, should I be kind of, like, you know... Because, like, obviously we see things like, like, you know, on dating apps, like no fats, no femmes, no like whatever. Right. And we're like, oh, yeah, that sucks. Right. Right. But it's sort of like. If we believe that you can't really change your preferences, then like I would definitely rather know that you have that preference, like <laughs> than get into something with you. Oh, for self preservation, a hundred percent. You don't want people to like you find out on date three that, oh, by right. the way, you're the first like woman of color I've ever fucked with it's like okay no boo like yeah I'm not here for an experimentation (laughs) right so I mean that's true but at the same time they're like where is the line between people that have the potential to do internal exploration to get themselves beyond where they are and then people that are just prejudiced like is someone who says like I don't date black guys like, it's just a regular racist, right? Like, I think the, like, plain old Jane type of stuff. I feel mm-hmm. like the, right. the people that are in the middle and potentially more interesting are people that, like, you, they don't realize 
the preference, yeah. right? Like people, the unconscious bias. Of yeah. Them. Cause people that don't date like an Asian woman, like that's just racism. It's not like, you know what I mean? It's because they, mm-hmm. they think or they deem that person or that group to be less than, I think the the politics of desire are people that don't perceive their preference to have any type of political undertone, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, there's something about her. Like, she's so sweet, but like, I don't know. Like, I don't like want to rip her clothes off, which is nothing wrong with that. But it's like the what makes you, or even comments like, oh, she just kind of feels like my mom, Mm-hmm. like for a black woman right the kind mm-hmm. of the uh, the undertones of of this idea that you're going to to nurture you're going to embrace you're going to take care of if, for for a, a guy to have that comment about a black woman she could be 60 and look like his mom or it could be <laughs> kind of driven by just this idea that a black woman can either only be hypersexual or hyper mothering and nurturing yeah you know have either of you ever done something along those lines of like tried to shape your own preferences in that way yes so like what what is (laughs) yeah how did that look well i don't know i mean like i think that my so i've i've analyzed my internal biases a lot especially as it comes to dating because i've dated a lot of white women right and so i'm like and so i'm like what in me has caused me to date a lot of like a lot of these white women right and this happened a lot when i was uh doing the fellowship isabel knows what i'm talking about he probably doesn't (laughs) (laughs) um but i did i did a fellowship coming out of college that was like very kind of like social justice focused and like went through a lot of trainings that like were about like looking inward and like like recognizing your bias or whatever and I don't know, man, it hasn't really been tangible. And it like, I I think it's just like, for me, it's been like, yo, all right. I was raised by white women. I, my grandmother was white. Yeah. Um, uh, like fucking like German, yeah. you know, like blonde hair, blue eyed white lady. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I was, you know, when I was in <clears throat> elementary school, I went to a school that was 50, like pretty solidly 50, 50, like black, white, but I was in the academically gifted program. And then I was the only black kid in the class for, you know, like the first, I don't know, like seven, eight years of my schooling. So like there's stuff like that that I think is going on. Um, and, but I don't know, like, it, I don't, I don't have any, like, I don't have a step-by-step guide. No, 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 yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, you know? I was just thinking more along the lines of like, yeah, do you like, uh, because I think like in the in especially with race, it's like very clear. We're like, oh, like, you know, we we don't like that. We have this like, you know, social hierarchy. But then also, like, I feel like there is this on the flip side. Like, I wonder if trying to push yourself into it also like verges into like fetishization. Right. Like, you know, where does that come into play? Like, you know, we were talking about this a little bit on the uh, we had an episode on dating with disability and sort of like, you know, do we want people to try to like sort of push themselves into something that's like not their natural natural preference? And like, is there something also a little bit like dark about that or like fetishy about that? You know? Yeah. No, I, I think that there's, I think it's a weird move. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I, <laughs> I don't think it makes, I think it's disrespectful and dehumanizing to see people as, uh, your opportunity for self-actualization. Like that's mm-hmm. fucked up. Yeah, for sure. But I also, like, I think my connection to desirable, desirability politics, while obviously it comes into play with relationships and who you're attracted to in dating, I think I've had more of a reckoning with it having lived um, on an island my whole life and then coming here and very different demographics of people and what is sexy and what is hot is totally different. And I also have in my adult life lost a hundred pounds from 20 to 21. Mm -hmm. Um, And I experienced being very, like there's not a lot of black people in Hawaii but I'm also Hawaiian. So the black white discussion just isn't, uh, people are aware of it. It just doesn't happen a lot as opposed to here. 
it's very different. And then catcalling isn't a thing. And here it is. So I have had a lot of experiences about like reckoning with my own connection to desirability politics and how like there was because of the way everything happened, there's been such a stark contrast of the way that I engage with the world that makes it very hard for me to deny (laughs) that like it is alive and well and thriving um, in the world. Um, And what do you do with that? What can you do with that? Right. That's not even who I'm attracted to. Right. That's just like how I'm existing in the world, whether I fuck the guy that hit on me at the gym or not. It's a not. But regardless, (laughs) you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, what what is the dynamic in Hawaii? Like, is that is it if it's not like sort of like kind of a black white thing? Yeah, it's heavily Asian and all this is a blanket statement, but it's pretty much true. Pretty much all. Native Hawaiians are also either part Portuguese, which is me, part uh, Chinese, Filipino, Korean. So almost all Hawaiians are also Asian, which then creates this ideal that's connected to being Asian, even though we're not Asian. So there's certain like features that become desirable and then labeled Hawaiian to then shame part Hawaiians that aren't also part Asian because they're not really slender and you don't have long, like Polynesians don't have straight black hair, but then it becomes a desired thing to have straight black hair and, um, you know, a tiny body and to be petite and uh, it's strange. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a lot of military guys that come and kind of exoticize and fetishize mm, that. Yeah. Um, God, I don't know what that says about the United States military. I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> if anyone has some ideas about whatever that I have no clue. But um, yeah, so I think I never felt like I mean, that's no one's every, everybody's listening at home. But just know that that's not me. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think that always made me feel out of place, but I, mm-hmm. I it would it didn't torture me. And then I moved to the continent, um, and I never really thought about my I've never thought of myself as fair, um, but I'm very much taken as someone that's very light skinned here, even though that's never how I saw myself back home. So yeah, well, especially because you have had like multiple of these types of transitions where you're kind of like, you know, you went from like, you know, pre 20 and like, you know, after you like lost a lot of weight, I'm sure like you had to navigate a world in which people like really treated you differently. And like same, you know, once you a kind of a thousand like, percent people right? that say it doesn't exist are fucking lying. Like, yeah, don't, don't <laughs> oh my God, be, are you kidding oh me? Oh my God. Uh, it's you just it makes you sound fucking stupid like to not acknowledge that (laughs) yeah um like it doesn't make you more woke to i think if we need to call out all kinds of privilege i think people aren't calling out privilege enough people are getting tired of hearing about it there's so many ways that people can have privilege and embody privilege and i think we need to be calling out more of it there's white privilege but there's so many other myriads of privilege in the world yeah Mm -hmm. well were you doing that because like you were like what was your reason for that pretty drastic life change it was one of those things where like i decided to do it on a whim Mm. like it, it it didn't come from any kind of master plan i had never tried to like lose weight before um, and I really don't know why I just, it's, it's like I got up one day and, and decided to, mm-hmm. I don't think it was, there wasn't like an inciting event. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I always just had like a weird, because everybody in Hawaii, a lot of people in Hawaii are so petite, petite to the point that I just physically could never could never um yeah which is fine but i think i also had this really skewed idea of what normal was so then i kind of overcorrected and i was like well i'm never going to be normal and like five two and a hundred pounds um so like it also made me feel really out of control in that sense and then 
I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weird looking back on it because it is such a stark change and it's still hard for me to like track like why and I still don't really know. Well, it would be unfair to say that that desirability politics would not like don't play a factor also. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's like you know, one of those weird elements of privilege where like, you know, you can't like change like things like racial privilege or gender privilege but like if you start wearing makeup and you start like d- like trying to be hotter or whatever like you kind of can change a lot of those things right like yeah uh, yes absolutely yeah. and there's and there's a ton of pressure yeah to do so right i mean like you know that's where i think you know what you were talking about it not just being about like who you're attracted to but it's about like existing in the world right it's like the pre- the everyday pressures that we especially like people that identify as women face on a daily basis about what's a like what to put on your body mm-hmm. and we have such and a media obsession body. with like the makeover and suddenly like you're suddenly like valued by society oh my god you know <laughs> mm-hmm. and 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 deandre to your point there's so much judgment about quote-unquote not making the decision to do so mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. like yeah, like someone being someone that doesn't wear makeup, for example. Yeah. How dare you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> how dare you? Um, you know, how how dare you not prioritize desire? And I think that's the that's the the reason why this this discussion is even so interesting because all of this is predicated on our social obsession with desire, sex, and attractiveness. Right? Like that has to be there for it to have any power in the first place. Right. Um, right. And like the idea that our, not even the idea, like the fact that our society is pretty predicated on like monogamy and teaching our kids what they need to be doing to find a mate for their entire lives. Yeah. And, and the pressure that your value is, is very much defined by how desirable the people that desire you are. The hotter your chick, your boyfriend, your fiance, whoever your partner is, right? Like you want a hot partner because there's an assumption that it says something about you and your worthiness. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if how, if you've had experiences where that has played out in your like, you know, actual relationships, Whereas, because like that, I feel like is so one of like such a prime example of something that creates this like dynamic, you know what I mean, in a relationship. Yeah, yeah. It. (laughs) (laughs) All I'm thinking of is like you know the the rom com of like, like the, like the the goofy Jonah Hills of the world who always have like the quote-unquote hottest wives Mm -hmm. and like that social capital I think I I don't feel I don't think I've been conscious of that in relationships that I've been in um I also think that this could go off the rails but I also think that there's something to be said for like being able to predict how how someone perceives themselves to be on like a one to 10 scale and then where you are and being able to like anticipate if you both (laughs) perceive each other to be in the same quote unquote lane. That's the most disgusting thing to say, but Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean that happens like anytime you, meet anyone that you could ever be interested yeah. in right like we're like You're trying to run the numbers i, mean, I don't think <laughs> mm-hmm. i don't think this happens for isabel because of who you are as a person but <laughs> i think i think that like the average person you know when they meet someone they're like okay all right like i'm a seven with my hair long yeah. right like I'm, i can i can maybe yeah. i'm like probably a seven tonight this person's like i don't know they're rocking like an eight and a half nine yes. like i don't even know if i should be Ex- here or like i don't even know if i should shoot my shot here and then sometimes you're like on the more on the grosser side of it it's like maybe you meet someone that you perceive as less attractive to you uh-huh. and then and then you're like <laughs> <laughs> then you're like all right maybe like maybe it'll be a little easier yeah to get this person to be into me yeah that's and i think that like people are i mean it's it's uncomfortable because it's gross right. but i think it, it must happen and and 
a lot of people's heads, right? Well, thank you for saying that because then it then it, it frees me up from having to say it first. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like like there's we all if you're a healthy, introspective human being, there should be parts of yourself that you fucking hate, right? Like that, like you're yeah, like, oh, obviously, God, that little <laughs> nugget in my, in like the corner of my heart is gross, and I don't ever want anyone to see them. Yeah, but it's nasty. it's a disgusting piece, and so my disgusting piece is that when I'm at the gym, and first of all, these guys shouldn't bother me anyway, so fuck them for that. But Sometimes when I'm at the gym and a guy hits on me and I am doing that shitty equation in my head and I'm like, I don't think that you're as hot as I am. I get offended (laughs) that he thinks that I'm going (laughs) to say yes. And I hate that part of myself. I think I'm really glad that you said that, (laughs) you know, because I, I have tons and tons of lady friends that are like, you know, I, I, I'm thinking of like a couple of old coworkers that I had that were like, you know, they were, they were talking about this dynamic of like, well, if he was cuter, yeah. you know, I wouldn't have minded that he, that wouldn't have minded that he was hitting on me this like kind of weird, kind of this weird email at work. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Unwanted sexual advances are bad. Wanted sexual advances are the best, you know? Yeah. And, and like what, this, what decides, what are the factors that help you decide if they're wanted or not? Right. It's how hot And it's are. wild yeah. how like it can be so just the total polar opposite based on that one thing. Yes. Right. Like it can color and you just, and so much of the anxiety around like flirting and dating and being in, you know, this whole world is that you don't know how they're going to perceive it. They might think you are like a disgusting creep or they might right. be super into it and you really have like pretty much no way of knowing because people are not that transparent about how they feel about that. Absolutely. Well, and I think the you just kind of like tied some pieces together for me about why this is such a hard conversation because on one hand, like our conversation right now in the last 40 minutes, right? There's been ebbs and flows of serious and funny and we've laughed and we've been serious again. And it's really hard to hold these two conflicting ideas that one, it's this kind of like funny conversation that you have with your friends. This like kind of makes you feel good. And like, it's, hilarious and yeah, like, you're awkward like, like, oh man like they like they weren't even that yes. cute though, so it's like, like, like a fun thing and then on the other hand uh the that also is very tied to desirability politics is that uh like when women go missing if they're white and pretty they will get 10 20 30 times the amount of visibility in the media and if you're an indigenous woman in some parts of the country you are killed at 10 times the national average like it's hard and they don't come looking for you it's really hard to like yeah hold how like you could have you could be talking about the reality of desirability politics and the conversations that you have about it can feel so opposing like mm-hmm. haha funny drunk conversations at the bar and then also um just hard people hitting. die and get raped and like there's all kinds of violence associated with it as well yes and and rapists yeah. right and abusers right that can anticipate a woman that has the ability to be seen as a victim or desirable right that, that's such an awful thing that that women hear is why would that guy assaulted why would he have assaulted you or raped you right you're not even that pretty Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when like in all actuality we know that you know like you were saying men are actually very good at targeting women in vulnerable populations right and there there's a very clear answer to that and it's also gross which is that he knows that society will care less about you if he kills you absolutely and yeah yeah See, it's, it's, it's funner to have the fun one, you know, Yeah. <laughs> like when you're yep. talking about the gym and <laughs> yeah, for sure the gross guy. I think it's also like, you know, it's, it's gross in so many ways, right? Like I, in high school was dating someone that was perceived to be pretty hot. Right. And I think the general consensus was like, was like, Wow. DeAndre's like really dating this hot girl 
And that's like, and like, and like, this is someone who I would have thought was like completely out of it, like out of his league, you know? And at the time, while I was dating her, I felt great about myself. I was like, dude, I'm killing it. You know, I'm crushing this. Mm-hmm. Right. Like she was, you know, like I cared about her as a human, but also that gross part of my brain was like, oh yeah, like this shows that I am worth something because of how, just because of how she looks. And so it was like simultaneously like devaluing my partner to an object and devaluing myself as perceiving myself as like not worthy of dating someone that, you know, was perceived as hot by the general public. Right. It's definitely something that like you have these two modes that are extremely incongruous with each other. Right. Right. There's like the. And like, and there aren't clear winners and losers here. Right. I think like the winners maybe are like the white cis kind of skinny built men maybe Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. because like even i think it's important to acknowledge that even you know the women that have the pretty privilege face you know the patriarchy the patriarchy and misogyny in ways that we have talked already about in this episode well and 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 deandre you were saying that you know i wonder if there is anybody that truly benefits at the end of the day that can like take home the w um right and (laughs) i don't think so in that (laughs) Right, even those like medium build, uh, like casual gym chads with like a good job, if he's under five five, like that, like, <laughs> you know what I mean. And that's one of the. Right. It's 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 not easy to talk about the 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 racial undertones of the quote unquote preferences that people have, but it's easy to understand how how racism and prejudice can impact our ability to allow ourselves to be attracted to someone that is non-white. But then there's also pieces of desirability that are really hard to track, but are also so established. Like, I know that there are women that actively want to date a man that is shorter than them. I also have never met one. And it's also socially, completely socially acceptable to just overtly say six foot like six feet or up like it's not a shameful thing to say that you can say that to anybody nobody's gonna give you shit about it um (laughs) like you can completely say that and i feel like that's one of the the few things even about desire those like pretty harsh preferences that you can give uh with almost no apology and I don't mm-hmm. think that, that that necessarily even exists for women. Like men have those those preferences, I'm sure, but they can as freely say it. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, you, I'm trying to. I w- when you said that, I was trying to think of like, are there any that like men could say about women that wouldn't seem like weird, nasty, or, or gross? I know, but no, a girl can be like, oh, little guy, you're so cute. I'm gonna <laughs> put you in my pocket. You're adorable. <laughs> Even if even if a dude was like, yeah, I actually I'm only trying to date women that are shorter than me, or like I'm only trying to date women. That's that are, you, you that know are you sound like you're trying to kidnap us, put us <laughs> in your van. You you want yeah. to go to make it hard for her to run away. That's why you want yeah. someone small. Yeah. Uh, where does that come from? I literally don't know. The only thing that I can think of is like obviously masculinity. The stereotype is big, powerful, strong, and maybe that has to do with height. But that seems like a weak. I think I think that's definitely yeah. it to me, right? Like it's like, you know, the, the idea of like traditional gender roles and masculinity, and like, yeah, if you're taller and like more in, have a more imposing stature as a man mm-hmm. to the woman you're dating, and there's like, you know, some some shit there, some some gender role shit there. Mm-hmm. Well, and I wonder like what makes it like how do we even as we're talking about this project of dismantling our own unconscious bias as as much it is as it is possible, which of those biases should we actually prioritize? Cause I think the, like I've dated guys of all races. I don't think I have a problem with it. I'm not saying I don't have any, any unconscious bias, but clearly it doesn't, hasn't stopped me from dating anybody, but I do, I'm not proud of it, I guess, but like I am hardcore. I will not date a guy that is shorter than me. I am five eleven. He's, he doesn't even need to be six something, but I have never dated a guy shorter than me. I don't know why I wouldn't. I just wouldn't. But like, should I not focus actually on the, on the biases in my brain that are the most rigid? 
Like, does it make sense to maybe prioritize the more socially, like, the social aspects? Or should I just, like, fuck it and just go in order of, like, what makes me the most, (laughs) like, clammy? Right. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what what feels nastiest within yourself exactly (laughs) like i'm sure that i have work to do from from a racial and cultural standpoint but this is you know what i mean i don't have a visceral reaction to anything yeah except for except dudes that are shorter except for that (laughs) except for that (laughs) yeah i think maybe you have to start with the the most tangible thing i don't know it feels like it'd be hard to work with the with the unconscious biases that you don't even know exist yet Mm mm-hmm why not start with like the rigid? Yeah. Well, DeAndre, you had talked about that you feel like you've noticed that you've dated a lot of white women in your life. Is there, and you don't need uh-huh. to answer this. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> if it's too spicy, but like, is there something in you that you do you pull away from any group of women the same way that I pull away from a short king? A short king. Let's see. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, with the race thing, right? It's like, I know that I've dated a lot of white women, but I also know that I feel attraction and would date women of other races, you know? Um, so I don't know if there are any hard cutoffs. I mean, I've dated, I think it's weird. I think, I mean, the height thing, right? I think it's weird to date someone that's taller than me, but I have done it. And we were in a situationship for like six months and... You know, I'm not going to lie. When when we were seen in public, I was thinking about mm. it, right? But I still did it. And, but I'm sure that like, you know, in the, in the now kind of, in the environment in which we're dating now where we can like swipe left or swipe right. And, you know, I think I probably have swiped left on some people just because they were taller than me. Yeah. So maybe that's one. I don't know. I used to, um, I, ironically, I used to like really kind of not, I was not trying to date people that were fat ironically because i'm a fat dude (laughs) um but i you know i don't know when that kind of clicked and is not really a thing anymore but that's really not a thing that i feel anymore so i don't you know i think i recognize that with myself and for some reason that one was easy to overthrow the bud um but yeah so i don't know i think the answer is like maybe women that are taller than me but it doesn't seem like my my line is maybe as hard as yours is. Yeah, Isabel, what? You know. Tell us about the ugly part of yourself. Here's what I've been thinking about a lot recently. Right, I've been having like my hot girl summer this summer. Yes. Right? Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> like, basically, up until very recently, I was basically just indiscriminately having sex with people. Like, I feel like I've actually been hooking up with people like on all sorts of like you know on all these various spectrums yeah. um and then this is like something deep in my psyche that people around me have been <laughs> psychoanalyzing <laughs> i was wondering if you're gonna bring this up yeah yeah okay so this is like there's like quite a lot of backstory to this but i'll, I'll try to be as succinct as possible but like recently um i started hooking up with this guy who's like more sort of like conventionally attractive and who I am maybe like more attracted to. I think before I kind of had this laissez-faire kind of attitude about it where I'm like, Mm. I don't super care how attracted I am to you in order to hook up with you because I don't necessarily think that they're correlated with like, I don't necessarily think that how hot you are is correlated with how good at sex you are. And I don't super care about how hot you are. I care more about how good at sex you are. And you can't really tell that from just looking at someone. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that I think is actually objectively true. Yeah. So, so like, my logic around this has been, like, yeah, I'll pretty much hook up with anyone because, like, in fact, if anything, I had this notion that it was sort of inversely correlated around this this sort of preconception mm-hmm. I, I had. Feel, I feel the same Right? Way. That, that, <laughs> that great people want to, to try as hard. Because skills. Like, you can't, exactly. You, you do. Can't post exactly. through life. You yes. You do. Like, if you if you did not fit the societal standard of attractiveness, you gotta yeah. kind of lay it down in bed. Yes, oh, yeah. exactly. Because you know, because like people, you know, your 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 shots are gonna be just fewer and far between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I agree with that. Yeah, exactly. So that was really my logic. I was like, look, you know, in fact, like I should 
be going for people who aren't as conventionally attractive for that mm. reason. Like, you know, I think at the end of the day, it will probably be a better experience. Right? Yeah. 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 I think the math checks I think, out. I don't know like, if that's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's it, but the, the numbers, yeah, the numbers I, sound I good. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I will say, Isabel, I'm glad you brought this up because I think that I'm going with a similar, I feel similar to you in that I really feel like I would be down to hook up with most people. Yeah. Like, I think that like attractiveness, I'm, I feel like I've kind of pulled back and I'm like waiting like in terms of, you know, the sliders, right, on people, my, like, visceral first, like, first look attractiveness of them, I've turned the weight on that down, I think, a fair amount. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, and I I don't know exactly how. Maybe it's just been, like, through reflection or whatever. Um, but I, I feel like I'm also pretty not picky in terms of how people look. Yeah. Yeah. So, but here's the ugly thing that one could read into this, right? Which is that my close friends slash in this case, like my enemies, right? Would say could give me the worst possible read on this is that I am someone who like gets a sexual rise out of being the more attractive one in a sexual dynamic. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I don't know if that's actually true, but I, I could see that being true. Like if you had, you know, I don't know. Like, I think like that's not what I'm literally thinking in my head. But yeah, like both of them, I think like either scenario is kind of like too far on this on either side of the spectrum. Like I as not a doctor, obviously, but I'd, I'd imagine <laughs> that like there might be something to explore in terms of, uh, and this is like reminding me of, of someone particular that I know, like, what do you think that it says about you to be able to move beyond the trappings of attractiveness? And that does that make you feel more centered, woke, um, conscious elevated like i think that's more the thing mm -hmm. of like because i get the yeah. math of like it's like you know people that grew up less conventionally attractive when they were young end up like being funny like you know yeah um yeah for sure which is true i think that like that math checks out but like what's the you could easily find someone that you find attractive whether it's conventional or not you find yeah. attractive and is good in bed so like, is there something <laughs> to resisting what could probably be easily found? Yeah. Does it feel like rebellion? Yeah, yeah. Sure. exactly. And does, that, and does that rebellion feel good? Mm. There's certainly all kinds of like, you know, once you start really psychoanalyzing, anyone's probably like, you know, what's going on in their head, right? Around attractiveness. Like there's probably all kinds of fucked up shit going on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Isabel, right? I thought that <laughs> that wasn't what I thought you were gonna say. What and did you, you can cut this out say? if you want. I thought you were gonna say you're gonna talk about your virgin lust. Oh well, I also have virgin. Oh, lust. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's why like, are you me, burying the lead? <laughs> yeah, to me, that's clearly the thing that is that that is a, that is deep and dark. It's like oh you, yeah, that's yeah that that's something that like. <laughs> Like that's associated with like purity like, um, and experience. That's something that, like a man just straight up cannot say. Yeah, like that's <laughs> no, straight up. Yeah. Like if yeah. that's true for a man, keep it to yourself. Like yeah. you have you to, have you to. have to keep it. You're to yourself. ending up on a list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you have yeah. to. Close. And to the we haven't even like talked about. Like, you know how this there's this whole conversation around like you know pedophilia culture and like you know Ariana like Grande men being sorry. into women. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Christ. Yeah. And like, you know, this whole like, how, how do we treat? And then it's like, you know, do we consider that back to the whole, can you choose like what you're attracted to? Are those people even like, we're like, oh, these people are monsters. But like, are those people even like in control of all these things? Like, you know, how there's this medium. There's like one of the most famous medium articles of all time is like, you know, I'm a pedophile and I need help and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. You know what I'm talking I about? I have read it. Yes. yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like. At what point do these things that are in our heads, right, become, like, pathologized as well, right? Yeah. Well, I think, I think the, the conversation around, around, uh, 
pedophilia and its connectivity to desire is really interesting because it's so pervasive in heteronormative culture and we yes. like it's you don't even need to like squint really hard to see it like it's very overt yeah. um, yes ariana grande holy <laughs> shit girl like love your voice you've got some bops but stop dressing like a toddler and like all of that is so reinforced the idea of schoolgirls, the like all of it it's the infantilization even the the way that we attract men like softer voice we got to be small we got to be petite and vulnerable and like uh like a potential homicide victim to get him to fall in love with us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, I don't know where that begins and ends. I think that it begins with a lot of like domination, colonization, child brides. Like, I think that that indoctrination of that process of like the older man winning the young, in this case, youngest females of the population um, and that is like a virtue and a value. It's like buying cows. And I just don't think that we've ever cycled out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right. just become more covert. We're just kind of buried. Especially it. because also there's this weird biological element of it where it's like you are most fertile when you're like a teenager, like before you're even of like a legal age of consent. Right. right. And we live in this bio, like this world that kind of goes against that biological sort of imperative of like if we were to be whatever caveman mm-hmm. like you know primal human right what we would sort of naturally be doing or whatever right right yeah. i think it's like and this is the thing that we we you know on the left really don't talk about which is like how this plays into fetish culture and how it you know how it plays into like pornography and you know i think that I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you all can tell me if this is a problematic take. This is my take is that like, I think that like we as people should be doing more to look into like what, you know, some of the fetishes that we have and think about why we have them. I think that, you know, like in sort of the sexual like liberative revolution that's happening in our generation and the generation below us, a lot of that is coming with like a like really pro kink, really pro fetish, which I think is, which like, don't get me wrong, I think is a good mm-hmm. thing. But I think it means that, I think it's encouraging people to just like wholly embrace those parts of themselves right. and the fetishes within themselves right? and not, and not question where they're coming from. Absolutely. Like what, what, let's talk about race play because I right? just, <laughs> like I, it's so, it's such a blanket statement to say we don't kink shame in this house. Well, boo. Like maybe we sh- maybe we should kink shame a little bit. Like not you know, or like maybe we should kink discuss a little more. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's not just like I'm into what I'm into, and I have no idea. It's the same as like it's the the kind of you the the best way you can examine desirable like desirability politics is uh, no offense to all the gay listeners right now. It is on Grinder because not that it 100%. doesn't manifest on other platforms but it's just not as socially acceptable on those platforms to just be completely overt with what you're looking for you would be hard pressed to find a bio on tinder or hinge that says no femmes no bottoms like it, there's you're not gonna find yeah. that like <laughs> it just doesn't exist yeah. you're expected to do a little bit more pretending on the other apps yeah and i think it has a lot to do with the fact that there's like you know mostly people that identify as men on grinder yes right like and men who are explicitly trying to have sex as opposed to i feel like grinder's not as like oh let me go find my love of my life the love of my life right yeah (laughs) (laughs) um you know and i think that i think that the sort of like wholesale acceptance of our of our fetish and kink cultures and like those parts of ourselves is you know it deserves the same amount of scrutiny that we give to our you know unconscious biases because really they're like two sides of the same coin to yeah me, right like they're they're things that like society has probably instilled in us in some way or another that may or may not come from trauma may or may not come from like from you know just like your lived experience and 
You know, just give it a just give it a little look, just see what's under there. Yeah. Like you know, scratch the surface a little bit. Right. It is this. It is the exact same conversation. It's it's about what what are you creating space for in your sexual life. Dina, thank you so much um, for coming through and having a a fun and serious, but also fun chat about a thing that, you know. Yeah, thank you guys. It was a fun chat and I don't get to do it very much in my regular life. So I thought, let's go on I'm the Villain and hash this out. <laughs> I think we, we came to some good conclusions today. <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, so I'm assuming that you're vaxxed. If not, you know, Absolutely. whatever. But um so now that you're vaxxed is there anything that you've done that you were like super stoked for that like felt really cathartic oh i was supposed to go to bonnaroo uh same and then it wasn't and that shit got canceled <laughs> the pandemic canceled. that canceled it it was a goddamn hurricane um, change. so as a change of plans we decided to go camping for four days and it was cool to just be in nature and be in the water and like just be sloppy and eat ramen every day for four days and be with my dog. So get outside for an extended amount of time and just like get dirty and be tired and drink a lot. You know, like if you can't go to a (laughs) festival, just pretend like you're at one boo. It feels so much better. Um, Have you been to Bonnaroo before? I have not. It's my boyfriend's favorite uh, festival. It was supposed to be my first time. Well, yeah. yeah, it would have been my my fifth. <laughs> maybe next um, year, hopefully next maybe year. Maybe next year. We'll we'll link if it happens next yes, year. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, this is your time. Please plug whatever you want to plug. Of course, um, you can follow me on my socials at Hina Rising. You can check out what Salted Logic is doing at saltedlogic.com. And you can subscribe to the show that we just recently produced about identity and politics and cultural connection. It is called They Called Me Hapa. You can subscribe on podcast on podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Amazing. And as always, you can find us at I'm the Villain Pod. That's our Gmail, our Twitter and our Instagram. Otherwise, bye.